Hi, I'm Jen Dean, and this is The Gardenia Project. There's no physical evidence. There is just this broken, torn down shell, like shell of a person. Like that's how I was when I got to Maine and for a couple months after. Like I just wish he would punch me and give me a black eye or a broken arm or something yep. so then I could go to someone and say, look, look see, here it, see is. here it is. Here's the proof you need. Now do something. I began this project with the idea that women have incredible strength, but we often hide the stories that shape us. We don't need to be defined by our past, but I believe in sharing the stories that helped us become who we are today. We not only grow because we take the weight of hiding a story off of us, but we might just help someone else who's going through a similar story. I think that if we connect to each other, we grow our empathy. This is what the podcast is all about. Anna is one of the most joyful humans that I've ever met. But she chooses to be that way every day, and her life wasn't always full of joy. This is Anna's story. Thank you for listening. Oh, and at the end, I'll tell you where you can find the portraits of Anna on my website. And before we get started, the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about, because you kind of took off with this in a way that I didn't expect, was what you did after our portrait session together. Oh, with the running? Yeah. Okay, so, um, because... I was so empowered and like inspired and it was like truly like a life-changing situation and everything. Um, whenever I run a race, whether it be like a 5K or a half marathon, which I'm doing in December, I always wear my gardenia somewhere so that I always have it with me to make sure I have that, that little extra strength and empowerment feeling. People often think that it's real and will tell me that I'm going to attract bugs, but that's okay. <laughs> but yep, every time I go running, it's somewhere it's somewhere in my hair, like in my ponytail or I clip it in. Mm-hmm. And um, one time I was running and I was so close to the finish line and it fell out and I had to run back and get it. <laughs> and then <laughs> I added a couple of seconds on there, but that's okay. So no, I bring it with me everywhere I go whenever I go running. I love that. Yep. I love that you did that. Yeah, it makes awesome. me. It's just really great that you took it and did your own thing with it, because that's what I want people to do. Is yeah. However, this inspires them to take that on. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. So, what is your story, and what is it that made you realize how strong you are? I lived in Maine, went to college in upstate New York, and very much had the expectation that I was going to find the person that I was going to marry and grow old with and whatever when I was in college and ended up finding a terrible human being. Um, It happens. And had three children and he was very abusive in every every way possible. Um, Able to kind of start to escape and move back to Maine um, after nine months away from my kids. My kids moved to Maine first and then I moved to Maine nine months later. And how long were you together before this happened? Eight years? Yeah. Eight and a half years. Okay. So I moved to Maine, he followed me. He stalked me to Maine, very manipulative and controlling and trying to to make the relationship work despite me saying over and over again, like it's not gonna happen. We need to just not be together. I don't wanna be with anybody. So then I, at work, and had stopped answering phone calls and text messages and emails and everything like just had 
totally cut off ties because I, that's what I needed to do. And he was able to figure out where I worked and called me. I kept saying, I have to leave. I have to get off the phone. I have to go. And he just kept talking and I felt very guilty hanging up. But finally I hung up and then called my dad and he said, you know, I think it's time to get an order of protection. And so that was kind of the first step to my independence was getting that order of protection and having him served and having granted it was a piece of paper but it was a piece of paper that was that was very much you know i am done this is no more you need to stop it leave me alone and so since the last time we talked i have added to the the, the <laughs> things that have made me realize how strong and independent i am but the second thing was i started another relationship with someone um, twice, which was a bad idea, but we had gotten back together the second time and, and this is the other person and this is the other person we had gotten back to the second person and I got back together and I was starting to realize that I was not happy and that I was very, you know, I was miserable whenever that person was around and they were mm -hmm. insulting and they were rude and it might just be like their personality, but that was something that I couldn't live with. Mm -hmm. So I ended that relationship. It was just before I decided to get my pictures taken. Okay. So I ended that relationship and he did not take it well. And he kept trying to talk to me and, and call and despite me saying like, you need to just give me space mm -hmm. and, and back away and, you know, stop it when I ended that and he still continued to do that, I realized like there was more to me than I was giving myself credit for. And mm -hmm. I was super unhappy. And, and the only way to be happy was to just not have the negativity. And that first step of cutting it out was really important. So it's interesting because basically you have this situation where you're in an abusive relationship and you're there for eight years and you extract yourself from it. And I remember when we talked before, you were talking about how that paperwork for you, that protection, was the turning point for you to say, this isn't just me. The court is, yeah. I remember you talking about that. Like yeah. you said, like the court recognizes that he's doing do all these yeah. things. This is abusive. Yeah. And obviously that's huge, but the other piece of your story then ends up being that second relationship, which you caught sooner. Yep, much sooner. And it was kind of like looking back and like, cause I still have a copy of all of the mm -hmm. court documents and going, well, that's happening. That's happening. That, mm. okay, that's enough. <laughs> so you saw the pattern the yep, second time a lot faster. Yeah, we saw the pattern faster. a lot faster and I was like, nope. And it was someone that I was not comfortable leaving my kids alone mm -hmm. with and that did not even, when I was around, did not treat my children the way I felt they needed to be treated. And that was, that was huge because right. Right their dad does not treat them well. Therefore, I do not want anyone in their life that's going to degrade them or insult them or anything. So as soon as that started happening, I was like, nope, you know what? You, you can't be around them. You can't be around me and this isn't working and we need to end it and we're in mm -hmm. two different places. And you know, as much as I could take the heat for it, I did, but I said, you know, all done, finished. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's a that's a big deal. Standing up for yourself in a relationship is super, super hard. I know there's a lot yeah. of other women that I've talked to that have been in various lengths 
of relationships that were abusive and it's so hard to get out of on so mm-hmm. many different levels. Was there a moment that you look back on now where you realized there was something that really changed who you are at the core from this happening? Either from the experience of this happening or from actually the turning point of you leaving. Like, was there something that that you said, okay, this has really changed who I am? Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so when I first moved back to Maine, I weighed 87 pounds. I, granted, I only weigh like 112 now, but that's better than 87. I stole all of my brother's sweatshirts mm-hmm. because they were huge on me. And I wore pajama pit, like just big baggy clothes. And I was constantly curled up in a defensive position. And so I was kind of in this daze wandering the kitchen because I knew I needed to eat. And my dad looked at me and said, I'm going to make you a milkshake. And I was like, uh, what? And he's like, no, no, sit down, relax. I'm going to make you a milkshake. And my dad, he cooks dinner. He's amazing. He cooks dinner and he works and he does all those wonderful things. It was that thing where I was like, oh my God, I'm, I look so pathetic and, and <laughs> ridiculous. Like I can't even make myself something to eat. My dad has to jump to my rescue and make me a milkshake <laughs> so that I get something high calorie. And so that was the point where I was like, oh man, like this has really like taken who I used to be because I used to love to cook and eat and all those things. And it just, it crushed them and like I wasn't the same person so that was that was really where I was like okay so maybe you know Mm -hmm. maybe we need to do a little bit more than just look for a new job because that was my main thing was like I have to work I have to work I have to work I have to support my kids I have to take care of them but then it was very much that kind of changed to like you know maybe I need to start working on me and gaining weight and eating healthy and dealing with the issues that had occurred so I think that's another point that people who listen to this would really connect with. I know as a mom, um, and I'm, you know, I'm also somebody who's divorced, when I split up with my ex, one of the things that was so front and center is having to take care of your child and having to be a good provider and making sure you work. And so I think a lot of times what happens is you, you're so focused on that that it's really easy. And, and yeah. no matter where we're at, I mean, regardless of any sort of, you know, you're in this traumatic situation, we always are thinking that anyway mm-hmm. as, as parents. But even more so in that situation, there's this pressure. To and also sure. a distraction. Yep. Right? Yep. You know, like, let's not deal with this or think about it because it's so upsetting or sad or scary. I've gotten myself out of it. Let's just focus on getting a job and the kids. And so that's another factor. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's a, it's a good distraction. It's a way... Also, like, with a divorce or, like, court custody type stuff, like, you have to be able, in this society, you have to be able to go in there and be like, look, I have a job, Uh I have a stable place to live, I have health insurance for Mm -hmm. them, this is in my savings account, it's okay if he doesn't pay me what he's supposed to because he's still struggling without whatever right but you you as like the mom and the woman have to present so much more than the father coming in because sometimes 
most of the time, from my experience. He didn't have to prove anything at all. It was it was very much, I kept being told by attorney after attorney and, and the one law guardian we had that this was ridiculous and I was being ridiculous and what happened in the past was in the past. Oh. And, you know, despite me saying, you know, but even when he's with his children for a few hours, this is what he's saying and he's doing and whatever. Right. None of it mattered because unless I was going to be the bad mom that put my kids on the stand. Right. It was all hearsay anyway. So I had to make sure I could show that I, you know, had an income and a stable home and the people I was living with were appropriate. And so... So what's interesting about this to me, I don't think interesting is the word I want to use. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to swear on the podcast yet. So (laughs) it's really messed up to me that here you are with a protection from abuse. You've proven that you have the court documents and yet you're now having to prove yourself in all these other ways. Currently, because you're being sort of belittled and from all sides, from the all sides. sides. Yeah. I think that that's another really hard piece of your story. Yeah is that that kept happening. Was there something that you needed that you didn't have or were there people that helped you? Like, how did you feel in that, you know, in that space of when you're trying to make this transition and you're like, okay, this is, this is done. This is over. And you know, I'm moving to Maine. Was there, was there something you needed or did you feel like you had I that support? I needed my mom. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, no, it's true though. So, um, my mom is so, she's smart she's so caring and so for years she had just been watching me from afar just drown and so at Thanksgiving when the kids were in Maine and I was still in New York I got really really sick had to go to the hospital to get rehydrated Um, and the next day their dad my ex said well I had to take care of them all day on Thanksgiving because you were sick so now it's your turn and I get a day off and I'm like okay so my mom jumped in the car drove to New York and brought us home for the rest of the weekend. So as I'm realizing that I'm not safe, that I need to get away from that, I called my parents and I said, I want to come home. And they said, absolutely, tell us when, pack your bags. And they were, my mom was firm, but my dad was like the firm one who had to tell me over and over again that my ex was not allowed at the house. He wasn't allowed to live there, like he couldn't stay. And at that time, I was like, oh my God, why are you doing this? Like, you're making it so much more difficult for me. Like, you don't understand. He's, he's there. Like, whatever. Right. It was definitely what I needed. And I needed that motherly nurturing, like, come home and I will cook for you and, and do your laundry and take care of you and nurse you back to health for my mom. And I needed that very strong, nope, this is the way it is. This is how we're doing it. You are not going to change my mind from my dad as well because if I hadn't had those very strong influences, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to get out because I was so beaten down and broken. Yeah. Um, if I didn't have those people, it would have very much been, you know, him saying, "We have to try and make this work right. for the kids," right. and me saying, "Okay, you're right. Yes, yeah. we have to make this work for the kids," and then going back. So, it was absolutely my parents saved me. Like. Mm. 10 times over. That's so, I feel so, I've met them. Yeah. And they're wonderful. <laughs> and I feel like it sort of leads into the next question. Um, well, one of the questions was, 
you know, what advice would you give to others who are in a similar story? And it's, and it's interesting because everybody's slightly different. And I feel like you were really, really fortunate. I was so fortunate. To have that support yeah. system of parents who were waiting for you to say the word, yeah. knew the situation, and your father who helped draw that line in the yeah. sand. Even though you weren't quite ready to draw that line yourself, yeah. he was like, and here's the line. I'm going to draw this. And here's the this. line. And we're not crossing it. <laughs> right, And right. you can stop trying to cross it. Oh, you see your toes? No, back them up. Back them up. Right. Yeah. I know. And that, that's it's huge. So I was so fortunate. And I've talked to so many other people who are like, I don't have that family support. And I'm yeah. like, <gasps> what do you mean I will be that family support for right. you? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I'll do it. It's okay. You need that. You have to have that person who's going to say, yep, here's the line Yeah, right there, and we're not crossing it, and who's also going to, as you're sobbing because you just have completely lost your mind yeah. for whatever reason, is going to be there and be like, it's okay. Let's go have a milkshake. It's all right. right. You know, we're just going to have a milkshake, and we're going to snuggle, and it's Fine. It's gonna be okay. So I, I was so, I was so lucky because I still have them because I still live with them. Yeah. And yeah. they are still very much that constant support that I, I need. It doesn't have to be your parents, but you have yes. to have, you have to have that strong person who's gonna take, kind of take the heat for you because I know, mm-hmm. through, even now, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I don't make any decisions for myself according to my ex. Right. It's all influenced by some sort of male in my life and that usually ends up being my dad so it's you know there's so many levels of this that are so interesting to me because <laughs> I feel like a I love what you're talking about in that feeling like you have to have a support system I think that's integral and for women that don't have that finding that mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. that might be for you whether it's if it's not your family then your friends and if it's not yes. your friends then it's some sort of safe house yeah somewhere that you can go where you can be heard and you can be taken care of and there's a line in the sand that's drawn for you. And and that feeling of, okay, I'm not all by myself. Yeah, you're not alone. And kind of like that reassurance that you're not crazy. He might say that these things never happened or, you know, you Mm -hmm. might say, oh, it wasn't that bad because X, Y, Z, but um, knowing that, you know, okay, so just because your trauma is different than my trauma doesn't mean yours isn't trauma Mm -hmm. and that you don't deserve rainbows and unicorns and sunflowers and sunshine and everything else like you you still deserve that no matter what and if it's going to a support group or something you can find those strong independent women who have gone through these sorts of things and can help stand up for you and protect you and will stand in front of you you and with you and say until you are stronger until you can be that Mm -hmm. strong person we are going to be that strong person for you. It's interesting because I feel like that's one of the pieces that was so important to me about this project because everyone's story is different, Mm -hmm. but what I've learned is that so many stories that I hear about, people feel so alone in them. Yeah. Right? We hide them. We're embarrassed. We're ashamed. We made bad decisions. Somehow this is all on us. Yep. We get into a relationship like you, you know, you fall in love with this person. It's not till later that you realize what they're really like and then you want to hide it. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) We've talked about that. Yeah. We don't, we don't want the rest of the world to see what they're really like. And then when you realize that the rest of the world is not as stupid as you (laughs) like them to be sometimes, it's like, oh God, see, you know? And there's also that aspect, if it's emotional abuse, trying to prove it. There's no physical evidence. Mm-hmm. There is just this broken, torn down shell, like shell of a person. Like that's how I was when I got to Maine and for 
a couple months after. Like, I just wish he would punch me and give me a black eye or a broken arm or something yep. so then I could go to someone and say, look, look see, here it, see is. here it is, here's the proof you need, now do something. It's interesting that you, I'm really glad you brought this up because it was one of the things I thought about with you because in the past I've been in relationships like this and it is the most horrible thing. And not like, again, let's go back to what you said a few minutes ago. There's no one trauma that your trauma is worse than my trauma. Yeah, no. I totally get that. And like, if you're being hit, that's absolutely the most horrible thing. But there's something about emotional abuse that's so scary because you have no proof, mm -hmm. right? Because no one's leaving a bruise mm -hmm. um, and it makes you feel crazy. Yes. Because you're the only one that witnesses. It. It. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that sitting here and having you say, get a support system. Mm -hmm have some people to stand with you and that you were able to get out of this. Yeah. Huge. Yep. It's huge. Yep. My last question for you, you've done all this work. <laughs> what did you learn from this? So you, you have this story, you found your strength through a support system, not by yourself, which right. I also yep. think is a super important thing. Yep. And there are people that do it by themselves mm -hmm. and good for you if you can, but even better if you have these people to rely on yeah. who've got your back. So what do you feel like, where do you feel like you're at right now with like the whole looking back and what you've learned and, and where you are? I have learned that nobody, nobody should have the ability or the power to make you feel so horrible mm. um, and small. And mm. I will do everything in my power to not allow that to happen to anybody else that I care about or that I love, especially my kids. And that it has given me a lot of strength. I'm very passionate about it. And I will tell anyone my story who asks because I am just like that. <laughs> I will not hold back on how I feel. Also that it's, it's really important. Like if you can't, if you can't get out for whatever reason to just, and you can't have that support system mm. that, that loves you to, to be able to love yourself and to know that even in the darkest times, there is still that little shimmer of light in you, and you just need to find it and work it however you need to, um, because everyone has that positive energy within them. You just have to be able to find it. To and, find it. And it's really, you know, and especially when you feel like there's just nothing left to you, it can, can be really difficult, but, you know, I was able, I was able to find it, and now I'm just so happy and bubbly like all the time. I think it drives people crazy. I think that was one of the first things that I realized about you. And since then, we've met up so many times yep. now. And I'm like, oh my God, you're always in the same happy mood. I yes, love always. being around you. I love being around you. Always. And you know, the thing that occurred to me though, what's interesting, and I think this interview with you shows both sides of it. Because the other piece that I was just realizing that we sort of didn't touch on is the fact that you have this story, but you did have a support system in yep. theory. And you did stay with this person for a very long time, yes. despite the fact that you yep. had a support system. So this can work both ways. Oh, yeah. You know, you may feel alone like you don't have a support system, but even people with a support system, it, there's no magic here. You, there is you no, have yeah, to no. get to the point where you're able to do this in your time. The, and the way you feel is the safest and best way for you. Yeah. Like it might be that, you know, you can live in the same house as that person, but kind of set those lines in the sand and say, okay, this is the line. We're not crossing it. Mm -hmm. And that might be what you have to do. Um, 
but there is yeah you know it happens to everyone and that's that's the thing like we got to be aware of that is that it happens to everyone yeah there's no no one is exempt from no. these kinds of things happening right. and and I think that that's the other piece that's so great about you coming out and talking about this mm-hmm. is that you know here I am with my support system yes this still happened to me mm-hmm. and I, I remember when I first talked to you about this I wondered what your family history was like and you're like no no I have wonderful nope. loving parents yep. who've been together forever ever and ever and like, I have two old I have two brothers one older one younger who always have had my back and so it was very I think what happened was when I went to New York, I didn't know anyone and I had mm. this idea of what was mm-hmm. supposed to happen and then I just kind of got lost along the way. Yeah. So it was, it you do, you get lost and it's that yeah. finding yourself finding again yourself. and figuring out how to get unlost. I'm really glad that you got unlost. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, really glad you found me yes. and that we were able to do this together. Yeah. Thank you so, so, Thank so much you. for telling me your story. Me. Thank you. So that wraps up the first episode of The Gardenia Project. If you'd like to find out more about it, you can go to my website at jendinephotography.com. You'll see a tab for my projects, and you'll see The Gardenia Project. On that page is the mission statement and portraits from our session together, and also a contact form. If you or anyone you know would like to be considered for the project, you can fill out the form, and it will email me directly. I would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this and found it compelling, I would also love for you to share it with your friends. A huge thank you to Keith Kenneth, whose amazing music is the soundtrack for this podcast. You can check out more of his work at unseenmusic.com.